0: Learn more about Messianic Judaism and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Our founding rabbi, uh, Rabbi Jamie Cowan, has three daughters. And uh, all of his children moved to Israel as young adults, uh, even though they were, were born and raised here. Uh, now, translation is hard, And uh, it's easier to translate something from a language that you have learned into your native language, because you know how it's supposed to sound. It's much harder, for example, for me to translate something from English into Spanish or Hebrew or something like that than from Spanish into, into English. That's a lot easier. So anyways, Jamie's uh, eldest daughter was at work in Israel, and uh, she translated something for the first time into Hebrew. She done a lot of work the other way, but this was her first attempt Translated into Hebrew from English. And her boss responded in an email of only two words. Lo tov. Which means not good. A few years ago, I tried a similar task. We have a lot of Spanish speaking folks that are part of our community, and I felt we needed to have a Spanish version of the defining Messianic Judaism document. Definiendo el Judaísmo Messianico. Uh, So I I worked on this. This uh, document is a a theological statement ratified by the UMJC, which is the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. It's kind of like our denomination. Incidentally, this week I'm going to the UMJC conference. Uh, So I'm looking forward to seeing all my colleagues and mentors and friends, and I'm also going to be giving the Shabbat morning sermon. So, pray. Yeah. So be praying for me that I'll be able to encourage uh, all those leaders in the wider Messianic Jewish community. Anyways, so I was working on the statement, trying to translate it into Spanish, and I, I felt pretty good about it because, you know, I was, I was a Spanish teacher for a long time, and I was familiar with the theology, and of course I had been taking, you know, classes uh, at seminary. Uh, well, um, I sent it to some Messianic Jewish leaders in Venezuela, And you know what, they read into that thing up and down from here till Tuesday. There were so many corrections that my original draft was basically obliterated. But uh, it was cool because we used Google Docs and we had some good discussions about the translation of the words and and what I thought it should mean, what the nation thought it should mean, and went back and forth. And honestly, I, I learned a lot. Plus in the end, I had a great version of definiendo el judaísmo messiánico, which I could share with our community, and you can find it today on our website. But of course, my first, my first version was Loto. No bueno. And, yes, not good. When I first started writing sermons, it was uh, during the tenure of our second rabbi, Rabbi David Rudolph. And he gave me the opportunity to begin preaching once a month right here on the Mima. And I would always send him my sermons uh, well in advance because many times they would require major edits and sometimes multiple drafts. Why are you laughing at me, Robert? (laughs) It's a lot of work. (laughs) Rabbi Rudolph had a high standard for what was said here on the Mima, so we wanted to make sure the sermons were clear and theologically sound and accurate. And pastoral and well-ordered. You know, when I was growing up, it was very difficult for me to take constructive feedback. Right? Sometimes called constructive criticism. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're all mixing, right? For some reason, if, if, if something I did wasn't good, I, it meant to me that I wasn't good. Right? Sometimes we, we might feel the same way. Maybe you, maybe you felt the same way, right? If something that we do isn't good, Feel that that reflects on us somehow um, but let let's take a look at the creation narrative because I think it addresses this problem very well. Genesis 2:18 says it is not good what is that even low to it is not good for man to be alone now this is the first time in the Torah chapter 2 verse 18 that something is not good everything else before that is what? Toe, it's all good, right? Um, God created light. That was? Toe, good. Keto. Good. The earth and the seas are good. Keto. The sun and the moon? Keto, he he they're good. The creatures in the land sea, and air? Keto. They're creeping? Oh,
1: oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, he Keto.
0: <laughs> we That's a uh, spank leak. All right. Anyway, you guys heard me out here. So about all creation, there's a summary of Genesis chapter 1, and God says, kine to which means, behold, it was Mary, right? This is on the sixth day. What happens on the sixth day? The humans, right? Yeah. So what does this mean? It means that the humans are, are good We're even very good. But it's just this situation of man, not, of man being alone. That's what's not good, right? That the situation is not good. But the humans, the creation, what God creates is oh, is good. <coughs> My father growing up would often hug me. And you know what he would say? He would say, good stuff. Good stuff like that, affirming my goodness and value to him. Sometimes I, I will do this to my son, right? Because I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to pass on, right? Can we imagine the father hugging us, right? Our Father in Heaven, and what does He say about us? Good stuff. Good stuff. That's what He says about you. Yeah, absolutely. Even if our choices are low to no good, we are still good because we are beloved. We're loved. Turn to someone and say, Ketov, behold, you are good. Yatom, behold, turn to somebody. You are good, you have value. You don't want to do this? All right, tell yourself, you are loved. Let's take another look at uh, another low-toe, no good. the Torah. This is when Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, heard about all the amazing things that the Lord had done to take Israel out of Egypt. But later he sees Moses, you know, at work in his job, and this is from Exodus 18, starting in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing to the people? Why sit by yourself alone with all the people standing around from morning till evening? Moses answered his father in law, It's because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have an issue, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, so I make them understand God's God's statutes and his laws. But Moses' father in law said to him, What you're doing is? Low toe. That's what it says in the Torah, right? It's no good. You will surely wear yourself out as well as these people who are with you, because the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone by yourself. Now listen to my voice, the right? I will give you advice, and may God be with you. You represent the people before God, and bring their cases, their cases to God, enlighten them as to the statutes and laws, and show them the way by which they must walk and the work they must do. But you should seek out capable men, uh, out of all people, and fear God, men of truth who hate bribery, point them to be rulers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them judge the people all the time. Right? So what is he saying? This is not good. What does he need to do? Delegate. Delegate. Yeah. Just need to delegate. This is a loving concern for Moses' emotional health. Right? To delegate so that he doesn't get what? Burned down. And all of these low toes that I brought up are the same Right, even the even the very direct Israeli one. Right, the, just those two words. What is it? It's loving correction. Loving correction because of and, you know for my sermons, loving correction of translations, loving correction of Moses' workload, the way he was doing things. Love wants the best for the other person. So sometimes love corrects. Sometimes love disciplines, especially in relationships where one person has more authority, such as a parent-child relationship, or a mentor-mentee relationship, or our relationship to the Lord. Now, there is such a thing as over or over-critical stance. That's not what we're talking about here. Some of us have experienced that, right? But what what is Jethro doing? Jethro is saying this, why? To bless Moses, because he has some wisdom to share. He doesn't want Moses to That's the kind of correction we're talking about. And this leads us to this week's haftarah portion, the selection from the prophets that the rabbis have chosen for this week, which all of Israel is reading. Go to the synagogue down the street. They're going to be reading from Jeremiah in the same same chapter as well as us. As our brother Rob Scott reminded us uh, in a sermon last week, we are in the middle of three haftarah portions of rebuke or rebuke. Admonition or correction, right? Leading up to Tisha a traditional day of mourning in Judaism, which begins the journey through the high holidays. Shameless blood. More about this in today's Nashim Chat after the service, preparing for the high holidays. Alright. So they're called the Haftar portions of review because they're warnings. They are correct to Israel to turn back to God before it's too late. At the Tikkun Leadership Conference, I met a Messianic Jewish leader who told me some of his story over dinner. His wife, who was also Jewish, had an open vision of Yeshua and started going to a Messianic congregation in their area in, in Maryland, which was led by, at that time, uh, Rabbi Dan Juster, who is now, you know, over Tikkun uh, International, basically. Uh, But anyway, back in that day, uh, the wife started going to the congregation, and uh, even before he came to faith, he got to know, you know, Dan Chester and the leadership there, and uh, they would always invite him and be invitational, and he he, he would get very annoyed, and he would try to avoid their requests to get together, but he would occasionally, of course, visit the congregation, uh, his wife, you know, dragging him there, and then soon they began to have children. And guess what the, his, his little girls, his young daughter started to do? Started to preach to him. Daddy, you need to repent. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust Yeshua. Right? And uh, that that invited to no end. But guess what? Today he's a Messianic Jewish leader. So I guess God won out in the end, right? The point is that abuse or corrections or warnings to turn back to God, they can be loving. And we're reminded of that. in this speaks of our portion from Jeremiah 2. Here are some excerpts from them. They, meaning Israel, did not ask, where is Adonai who brought us out from the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, through a land of drought and distress, through a land where no one travels, where no one lives, Yet I brought you into a fertile land to eat of its fruit and goodness. When you came, you defiled my land, you made my heritage an abomination. The Kohanim, the priests, did not ask, where is I? The Torah experts did not know me. The shepherds rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, a foreign god, and went after unprofitable things. Therefore, I will plead with you again. It is a declaration of Adonai. I will contend with your children's children. See if there's been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods, even though they're not really gods? Yet my people have exchanged their glory for worthless things. Be appalled at this, O heavens. Be utterly horrified, and don't It is a declaration of Adonai. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, cracked cisterns that hold no water. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel is shamed, they, their kings, their princes, their Kohanim, and their prophets, priests and prophets. They say to wood, you are my father, and to a stone, you birthed me. They have turned their back to me and not their face. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, Rise up and save us. Where are your your gods that you made for yourself? Let them come if they can save you when you're in trouble. For you have as many gods as you have cities, O Judah. So, what are the elements of this review from Jeremiah? Well, he's saying we should ask this this one question Where is the Lord? We should seek out what God is doing. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? Where are you? What is it that you're trying to teach me in this season? This is what we should ask. We should seek Him. Seek to worship Him and acknowledge what God has done in our lives as well. What is the Egypt that God has brought us out of? These Israelites are forgetting. Forgetting what the Lord did for them. Right? You need to remember those things and ask them, okay, Lord, this is what we have done. What are you doing now? Where are you now?
1: Notice also in Jeremiah's rebuke
0: that he's holding the spiritual leaders especially accountable. He mentions the Kohanim, the priests, prophets, shepherds, and kings. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> If you're familiar with my my preaching some sermons I've given uh, this year, these are these are categories of leadership, right? That we see also in the Ephesians four, what's often called fivefold or fourfold ministry, right? Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, or gospel right? So he's he's specifically calling them out and saying the cohanim, the priest, did ask, "Where is the Lord?" The Torah experts. Did not know me. The ones who studied the Torah, they didn't know the Lord. It's such a disconnect. The shepherds rebelled. The shepherds, right? Not only shepherding sheep, but like leaders, leaders, right? right? Rebelled against the Lord. The prophets, prophesied by Baal went after unprofitable things. That's all from verse eight. Priest, prophet, shepherd, and king are accountable. We who are operating in the apostolic strength prophetic strength, the shepherding strength, the teaching strength, and the gospel strength are required to be what? Gotta be teachable. We have to be teachable. This year, we're gardening our strengths at Kip Israel, so we need to be teachable in our strengths. We need to be able to adjust our course by the Lord's correction without getting stuck in shame or pride. Some of what we're doing do you're still good some of what we're doing is not good the lord is loving the lord wants to correct us he wants to help us third jeremiah admonishes israel with a powerful image forsaking of the living water the lord in favor of what a broken vessel something that has no water imagine israel There's like a a perfectly functional well, and they're all gathered around this broken well that the the bucket has a hole in it, and the rope doesn't even go down to the bottom, right? This is the picture. This This is what we're doing. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we looking to for comfort? What are we looking to for security?
1: What is our first instinct
0: when something doesn't work out? When things fall apart, whom do we look to in order to put the pieces back in? Right?
1: Are there idols in our
0: lives? Are we really connected here and not as connected here? It happens. Right? It happens. The Lord is saying, you know, I have something better for you. We have to that we don't go into shame. Oh, uh, I'm uh, not good. No. <laughs> just, just, turn, just turn. That's all he wants. Proverbs 15, 32 says this. Whoever avoids correction despises himself. But whoever keeps reproof acquires understanding. Let me read that again. Whoever avoids correction despises himself. We want to despise ourselves, right? Let's be like teachable. But whoever he is, recruit, listens to instruction, requires understanding. Yeshua is our rabbi, right? Right? Yes. What does a rabbi mean? Teacher. Teacher. So that means he's teaching us something. Right now, right? Because okay. he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So he's our rabbi, he's teaching us something. And often he uses circumstances to get us to learn things. Sometimes the lesson takes us a while, doesn't it? Right? Because we're slow to learn, and that's okay. It's patient. But sometimes we end up in a kind of holding pattern, right, if we're resisting, until we become patient. Listen, a rebuke is hard to hear sometimes. We would rather hear an encouragement, right? sometimes a rebuke is an encouragement. If it's from God, it is an expression of love. Jeremiah loved his fellow Israelites. That's why he didn't want them to fall into idolatry and exile and suffering, which we're going to read in Lamentations as the result of them not listening to Jeremiah, not listening to the Lord, not being teachable. They may have felt spurred, But he wanted them to return, and to learn. When I taught elementary school, I was uh, watching another class next door for a few minutes in the morning for another teacher. A fourth grade boy saw that his desk had been moved right next to the teacher's desk. And he came up to me, wondering why his desk had been moved, and just straight up asking, was I bad? I was like, well, (laughs) I don't think so, but I don't I don't know why she did that. I'm just watching her class for a few minutes. Um, and uh, so she came back in and uh, he asked he asked the teacher, Was I bad? Which is kind of take me. I don't know, you think he had to be there. But he asked her the same question. She said, No, uh, it's just because you have some special jobs to do this week and I wanted you wanted you right here for that. Um, and I think also uh, in the back of her head, she didn't share this, but she wanted him to be nearer to her, just so she could encourage him and kind of help him focus up and pay attention. Um, and I think this is how it is with the Lord, right? Rather than asking, am I bad, <laughs> right, what should we ask? We should know that he made us so we know we're good, because he's good and we're his creation. But his rebuke is a chance for us to draw nearer right? Maybe he's, he's pulling our desk a little bit closer, right? So we can focus and, and get rid of those distractions and we can partner with him. Maybe he has some special things for us to do in this season that uh, that he's excited about, right? So maybe it's more of that than uh, in my bad, right? Is his invitation. So I want to encourage all of us. We all should be teachable. We should all ask where is the Lord in this situation? Lord, what are you showing me? And remember, even if our choices are no good, low we are still good because we're loved and created in His image. Amen. So to close, this is uh, Hebrews 12, uh, starting in verse 4 to 6. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. Have you forgotten the warning addressed to you as sons? My son, not take lightly the discipline of Adonai or lose heart when you're corrected by him, because Adonai disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he exists. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Amen. Okay. Alright. Uh, I we thank you for your love. We thank you that your love is sometimes correction um, and that uh, it is good it's because you care about us and you want us to Prosper and to, to flourish under Your hand, and uh, I just pray that we would be teachable. You would uh, enable us to be humbler before You, and enable us to say, you know, maybe I missed something, maybe I'm putting something ahead of You, Lord, um, and I need to need to grow away from that. Lord. And just help us to, to grow under Your love, because it's Your kindness that leads us to repentance. And in Jesus' name, Amen.